I think that's why I find, yeah, I find the cheese world so interesting because I, I think you could never stop learning and you'll continuously make mistakes, basically. It's never always going to go right and you can always adjust and learn and because it's a, because it's a living thing and it's part of nature and with the microbiology and whatnot. You have to keep learning, I think. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking to pastry chef Lucy Whitlow. Lucy is the New Zealand-born pastry chef uh, at Osteria Ilaria in Melbourne. Uh, today, we find her outside of Melbourne doing for something very special and exciting. Lucy, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Tell us what you've been doing today. Um, oh, learning a lot more about science than I thought I would be. <laughs> um, I'm at a, the cheese school in Castlemaine uh, with long paddock cheese and Ivan Larker, which is pretty exciting because he's amazing and uh, Australia has finally managed to catch him for a while to set up a cheese school um, and Australia hasn't seen a cheese school like this before so I feel pretty privileged to be here. It is so exciting that there's this uh, wonderful cheese school that's just opened in Castlemaine initially for professionals uh, looking to understand more about cheese making but there will be classes for just cheese nerds and general cheese lovers and he worships at the Church of Cheeses. Um, what sort of science have you been learning about today Lucy? Oh, there's yeah, a huge amount about the like just about milk mainly and the the makeup of milk and the million different things that are happening inside it with fat and proteins and all the different variant variants and with different animals and how it changes your cheese, which is yeah it's far more complicated than <laughs> I was expecting. Oh, so interesting. It's it's so interesting, you know, obviously people have been making cheese for thousands of years, but um, to look at it from that point of view, there's so many different ways you can look at it. You know, you, some people just, you know, have grown up making cheese or they've learned how to make cheese from their grandma or something. And then there's this whole, you know, you can get this whole scientific layer to your understanding as well. And I suppose we're always learning more about that side of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, for me, for me, learning about it now after ha having like starting to go so natural with my cheese making and feeling like I'm beginning to understand what I'm doing, learning now about the science is kind of awesome because it's putting like all the dots together a little bit. So, yeah, I think yeah, what they're doing there at the cheese school at, with Ivan Laker is amazing. Yeah, we're so lucky to um, have that resource and, yeah, opens up so many possibilities for artisan cheese in Australia. So very exciting. And you're there for the, for the whole week learning about cheese, am I right? Yeah, so cool. <laughs> it's so lucky. Um, so not every pastry chef um, geeks out on cheese, Lucy. So tell us a bit about your path and to, to b becoming a chef and a pastry chef and also a cheese freak. Um, I, trained, I trained as a – well, initially I actually – went to a uh, design school to do fashion design um, and then uh, I didn't really want to go to uni I just wanted to stay home and bake um, and I made a, I made a collection of clothes based on the pattern that a whisk made because I just uh, wanted to stay home and cook and not uh, the collection was great 
and um, and put all these tiny women inside a little oven that I had made. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, I should probably be in food. <laughs> not really, not really meant to be in the fashion industry. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then went and did a baking apprenticeship, and I think so much of the fermentation with sourdough and stuff, um, learning about cheese now, like, yeah, they, they go side by side pretty much. Yeah. Right. Um, and you grew up in New Zealand. Did you train over there as well before you moved over to Australia? Yeah. 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 So yeah, did a, did an apprenticeship there and then have kind of, been the baker inside restaurants for quite a while um, and then that sort of progressed into more of a pastry role um, yeah and then came over to Melbourne and I don't think I'm going to leave to be honest it's pretty it's pretty cool here <laughs> well good if anyone that can say Melbourne's cool after 2020 is uh, definitely a Melbourneian so yeah you've got to stay now um, what's it like at Assyria Laria? like what is your focus there what kind of pastry do you do um, so I'm, I get to like work with everyone and come up with a lot of the desserts. So having that creative side is awesome. Um, but yeah, playing with different flavors and different ferments to take normal pastries and just make them a little bit more interesting. What's an example of something that you're really excited about at the moment? Um, the, I've got a koji, a koji meringue on at the moment, a twill using uh, roasted, I've inoculated rice with koji spores and growing that. And then, which takes on this beautiful floral, um, yeah, really floral, slightly malty flavor once it's toasted um, and roasting off the inoculated rice that's had been inoculated with koji spores and growing. Um, yeah, you, which is cool also because you don't have to use any sugar or anything to make, like bring in new flavors. The the koji sweetens it much more than you'd ever expect. Um, so to be able to use that sort of stuff in desserts is for me for me exciting. Yeah. Mm. That's so cool. Um, so the reason that I connected with you is that we were at the same milk event, a dairy expose out at Gippsland, Jersey, where the remarkable Sally Jones, founder of Gippsland, Jersey, hosted a bunch of people from Melbourne, mostly baristas, who could so they would learn more about where their milk came from. Um, and, you know, we were chatting after that and I started uh, learning a little bit more about you and some of your projects through 2020, can you talk about uh, what kind of great Melbourne lockdown experiences you had? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had. Um, yeah, I guess I made I made the most of it. There was it gave me so much time, which I'm very grateful for. There's a thought to myself like you know, there's not many times in your life where you have this. You just have to stop and. Uh, focus on other things and for me that was definitely like being creative um and I had been doing like life drawing classes uh in at No Vacancy Gallery before lockdown I was was missing that a bit so decided to make galleries in my house instead um more just so I could more just so I could get dressed up and wear fur coats and uh by myself (laughs) 
and but um yeah it was pretty fun and I at the time was living in this gorgeous church style warehouse uh so turning that and I'd turn it into exhibitions um did it did a few of those bought a pottery wheel did some pottery made cheese every day um yeah it was pretty special uh, so I just need to understand a little bit more about this. So you were living in this churchy warehouse space. You set up, you created art and then um, exhibited it as though you were in a gallery. You dressed you dressed up for your own art openings. And were you the only attendee? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I, um, I'd put them online uh, just on my Instagram and it was a project for me to be creative uh, at home um, and then yeah and then by the time I ended up doing three during lockdown and by the time the third one came you could actually have visitors uh, over so my neighbours all turned up which was really cool um, it was yeah it was fun having like people in the space to like talk about the art and whatnot and then I've just done another one in my house uh, which now you can have lots of people over so it was, yeah it was really cool to set up a exhibition and have lots of people over and talk about the art and yeah challenge thinking about different projects and whatnot. I just cannot love more the vision of you in a fur coat at your own art exhibition by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's why I had to have a second exhibition because I have two, I have a blue fur coat as well. So I needed to, I was like, oh, I've got to plan another night for myself. <laughs> wow. Inspiration strikes um, <laughs> in many ways. Uh, and, it, you know, learning now that you studied fashion and that you had, you know, created this, what sounds like an extraordinary um, suite of clothing inspired by whisks, it does sort of make a little bit more sense to me that you you've got this history of connecting art and food um so tell us about the art that you created the last exhibition i did was i called it invisible um and it was uh, me wanting to challenge the the stock standard portraits of chefs and with your arms crossed and what that body language is like projecting within the culture, uh, which for me is a, a barrier between themselves and at times the people around them um, while trying to maintain this like projection of toughness. Yeah, so I uh, made silhouettes instead of the chefs and behind behind the silhouette you could look in and see see inside the silhouette the different vices and side effects of maintaining that projection. So That's so powerful. Like yeah, what kinds of things could you see inside these chefs? There was yeah, different a lot to do with health. Uh so like your heart, um lungs. I put um, liver, ovaries, and, and that's not just the physical effects. That's also a representation of different things. So, like, for your heart, at times it's you're maintaining your relationships, which is 
definitely takes a toll for a lot of people um, and ovaries in there for the balance of family life and trying to maintain both while at times the industry expects you to maintain toughness. Yeah, and for and for me as well, the choices of like when do I want to have kids and things like that. Yeah. Has had those things been was that stuff you were thinking about already or was it that time away from the kitchen in lockdown that um allowed, you know, these sort of subconscious thoughts to bubble to the surface or um allowed you to really focus on those things? Um I think uh I think at like times it's a constant tone. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely having having all that time away from the kitchen. I think for a lot of a lot of people, gave you a little bit more balance, a little bit too much balance, almost. Yeah, uh, to me, it's such a it's such a powerful series of artworks and I've only seen them you know in little little versions on your Instagram but I love them Lucy I just think it is such a stock standard um cliche of the chef you know that that strong pose with arms crossed looking you know defiantly at the camera and it's just um yeah it's so it's so interesting to pick it apart and to think about all the things that those crossed arms are a, a barrier to um yeah i guess both sort of emotionally within that person but also structurally in the industry um around them that they're sort of embedded in um and then there's that media gaze that asks somebody to be that person it's um yeah it really it's really thought provoking um yeah <laughs> i think yeah exactly it's like cross your arms i'm a chef but what is this what does that mean and why is that an expectation of people and why should a chef be invincible yeah exactly not yeah not not at all the if, if if every chef stood with their arms behind and their heart and chest exposed to the camera, would that instead project, I don't know, just say something else to me? Well, I think it would definitely say something else. It's hard to know what the, you know, implications would be or the consequences, whether that would mean any kind of change. But images are so powerful. So I, I feel like, yeah, there must be. There must be some kind of change that would flow from that. Uh, have you um, been in a position where you've been photographed and, and you've been asked to strike that pose? Um, I, did, I was photographed recently um, at uh, work uh, and, yeah, no, no, no one asked me to strike that pose, I think. Um, Lucy, tell us about one of your other exhibitions, the one that you wore the other fur coat for. Uh, um, I really, I did one called uh, MTV Crobes, which was a take on uh, take on MTV Cribs, um, and it was on cheese actually, uh, and the microbiology in cheese, um, yeah, which was which was real cool. So I drew uh, what the cheese looks like normally from the outside and then in glow-in-the-dark pens I drew uh, all the microbes and the like magical world that's going on behind it um, so it's like a two-part uh, here's the art but then turn it off and it comes alive exhibition yes yeah, so that was 
yeah, that was pretty fun. It was real, yeah, it was cool to like see it all come together and because they're both, both uh, the outside and the microbes are just as beautiful as each other. So it was real cool to see it all happen. Yeah. That's really amazing. And, it, you know, it makes me think of cheese and the fact that it's so alive um, and, you know, when you're by yourself in a house in lockdown with cheese, I mean, did you feel did you feel like you were never really alone? <laughs> kind of. So they were like, yeah, they were my, my children basically and cheese. I had something, something to care for and tend to every day. So what is it that you love so much about cheese? It's alive pretty much. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, you make this thing and then you watch it grow and it changes significantly, but there's also so many variants, uh, within that and learning about like natural cheese making and what you can do within that using natural, uh, cultures and, and whatnot is incredible. Um, yeah, that's, definitely a magical world of things growing in the way that they're supposed to. It's yeah. And do you feel like you were able to go a lot sort of deeper and broader into that world because um, you had this enforced break from the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's not, not many, yeah. You need time with cheese and days and weeks in a row to like properly invest in it and, figure out what it's doing um so yeah it was it was yeah, a special time of being able to put my energy into that it's yeah it's so I mean it's so great to hear of people that were able to make the most of that really um crazy time um when you look back on it and I mean I suppose we can say we're looking back on we're looking back on something who's to know what's in front of us exactly but when you look back on it is you know how do you sort of compute it in general really lucky yeah just really really lucky to be in a position where I was able to do all these great things and have the space for time and yeah energy to do it Uh, it it was not the same for a lot of people and around the world it's still going so yeah I just feel really lucky and privileged to have had that opportunity and made yeah made the most of it and do you feel like you've come out the other side of it changed kind of not yeah not changed just uh feel a little bit more inspired I suppose uh into the different things that I can do and was able to yeah push my own thinking throughout that time which is yeah it was was cool mm. um and tell us what you're doing in a few weeks at congress uh yeah um so congress is doing a series called in good company uh where they're having doing events on sundays with different chefs which yeah is gonna be great they always they always do put on fantastic events and do great food so I'm friends with and used to work with Zachary Tinsley who's the head chef at Congress um yeah so we're going to celebrate our cheese learning basically and do an event uh celebrating that and 
bringing along our cheeses and cooking with them. So the whole the whole menu is uh, using and highlighting different versions of cheese or cheese making in some way, but also talking about the wanting to discuss cheese making itself and the natural world in the dairy industry. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty fun event. Uh, with hopefully some really good food. That sounds great. So Congress is a restaurant in Collingwood. Um, and as you say, they're always doing interesting things there, big wine focus. So I guess that's another, you know, I guess there's always a thread of fermentation running through things that happen there. So cheese certainly fits in very well. What do you think you're going to get out of the rest of this week in Castlemaine, Lucy? Right, it's, yeah, a lot for how to basically take what I know so far, expand on that, but also put it into a situation that I'm hopefully able to make some really good cheeses and have people eat them and share with them with people more than what I'm able to do at the moment. Um, yeah, and learning how to better use all the skills that I've picked up. Um, yeah. That's so exciting. Everything. Learning is, yeah. Just, I think I think with cheese, I imagine you'd always feel like there was more to learn. You'd never really um, have it nailed. Oh, 100%. I think that's why, I fi- yeah, I find the cheese world so interesting because I, I think you could never stop learning and you'll continuously make mistakes basically i don't think i imagine that experienced cheesemakers are like around the world there's so there's so many variables that it's never always going to go right and you can always adjust and learn and because it's a because it's a living thing and it's part of nature and with the microbiology and whatnot yeah there's you have to keep learning, I think. It's really interesting, you know, like pastry chefs or, the, you know, the world of pastry is so often about precision and consistency and things always being the same, you know, down to the millimetre and down to the gram, whereas the world of cheese and, and you know, natural naturally leavened baking is so responsive and so different. Um, do you feel like you're sort of bringing more of that um, responsive style to your pastry than you than people would think of as as traditionally there in in the pastry chef world. For me, I reckon that's where all the flavour is, like in the in the in the natural scenario, and yeah, using using fire and fermenting things and taking it back to nature and not not trying to force force flavors or shapes out of things that weren't meant to be that way i reckon there's yeah personally i think it's a world of much much more exciting and full of flavor so hopefully i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's really interesting it's really it's really my my mind is sort of bending as i'm trying to think about it but yeah i think it's i think it's a really interesting approach to pastry and um yeah, I feel like it's also going to 
make menus really flow from savory to the sweeter end of things or from the beginning of the meal to the end of things if it's if it is more yeah there's not such a sharp line between one and the other for me there's so much flavor and wastage um like for instance the all the knocky skins uh there's all the flavors in the skin for me uh, and potatoes and gnocchi is made like the potatoes are mashed most days between Tipo and Ilaria. So taking that and roasting it and turning it into an ice cream, it's not only like not throwing food out, but someone else did half my prep for me, which is pretty sick. <laughs> They already mashed their potatoes. I just picked them up and put them in the oven. I'm like, thanks, mate. This is quite good. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's saved me time and it's, I've got more flavor, so I'm quite happy. <laughs> yeah, and you've got this really interesting element to um, what you're doing. Yeah. That's very cool. What's another um, supposedly waste product that you've found a better use for? Um, we've been... Uh, Making different vinegars just from the pulps, like the pulp from juicing things. Uh, so, and and trying to do some honey uh, with it, which is more of an infusion than a than a proper honey. But uh, I chucked on the other day, like all the we're using some pumpkin juice, um, and uh, yeah, for those amazing dishes that Steph does. Uh, but take that pulp, which has already been juiced. It's still, still this awesome ingredient that has all this flavour in it. So, turn, chuck that in a jar with some honey and a bit of salt, and let it ferment and turn it into its own honey. Or the same with um, different, like all the spent vanilla pods. Chucking that into vinegars at the moment. Um, yeah, and. Uh, I'm trying to get a, a nukazaki going at the moment with all the leftover coffee grounds, um, which is a Japanese fermentation method. But I think I need to do a little bit more reading, maybe. It'll be, <laughs> it'll, it'll be all right. I'll work it out. Wow. Well, um, yeah, we chatted to Joe Barrett, from who's at Future Food System recently, about um, the mushrooms that they're growing there in coffee grounds. Um yeah, so that's something I want to try at home. But, yeah, it's very exciting to think about repurposing things that would otherwise be composted or thrown away. It's very exciting. Um, yeah. Lucy, you said you're really happy to be in Melbourne and, you know, feel like this is the place. But um, you're right in the centre of the city, which is still, well, it's yet to recover. How do you think things are feeling there and, and how optimistic are you feeling? Uh, yeah, feeling really good. Melbourne in the last month definitely it feels alive um I was trying to get from one one part of the city to the other in a in an uber the other day it took it took fever which was kind of a nice nice situation to be in I guess that you're starting to consider traffic again it's like we really should be so lucky that that's a problem um, it's so true. Yeah, I yeah. 
I celebrated my first punt road traffic jam as well. Did you? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, I hate punt road, but I'll like it this time. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, like at um, Alaria and Tiho, we're we're full flight again pretty much, which is is awesome. Yeah, it's cool to see everyone out and about and it's cool to have people back up on the kitchen bar interacting with staff and, yeah, just feels alive, which is nice. Yeah. So good to hear. Um, Lucy, I'm really excited by the way that you're interweaving art and cooking. Um, It's been so great to have a chat to you and learn more about it. Um, Have you got another art project that you're working on? Um, Not not at the moment, mainly just been focusing on the cheese stuff for a bit, Uh, getting back, back in tune with my kids. And then, yeah, I'm sure I like, I do like having something to look forward to and plan so sometime soon or do do something else brilliant well um enjoy the rest of the week at the cheese school it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and do let us know about your next art exhibition i'll um whack on a fur coat and be delighted to be one of the viewers thank you thank you so much for chatting and i thank you for having me This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.